Hello, my name is Cheryl Niehaus, and I am a program officer at the Michael and Susan Dell Foundation and your host for this podcast on personalized learning. Today, we are talking with folks from Colorado who are working to implement personalized learning models in schools there. Compared to other cities participating in the Next Generation Learning Challenge, Colorado is unique and it is not run by a single organization, but rather by a coalition of partner organizations. Those organizations include the Colorado Department of Education, the Colorado Education Initiative, and three public school districts. The coalition's work is focused on empowering educators to adopt new and more useful strategies in the classroom and building an innovative and successful model that can be replicated by other districts. We're speaking with Samantha Olson, Director of the Next Generation Learning Initiative at the Colorado Education Initiative, and Scott Fuller, the Next Generation Learning Coordinator for School District 11 in Colorado Springs. We're going to talk about how they have implemented personalized learning and what they've learned so far in the process. First of all, thank you all so much for taking the time today to join us. And for background, for those who are joining us today, um, if you could tell us a little bit about why you're working to implement personalized learning in Colorado. So CEI is an independent nonprofit that works in partnership with the Colorado Department of Education here in Colorado. Our work is really focused on unlocking the unique potential of every student across our state. Our work um, in next generation learning specifically is really in support of and partnership with schools and districts who are redesigning, re-engineering, and really rethinking education in order to achieve a broader sense set of 21st century outcomes for students. I think one of the biggest reasons to implement personalized learning in Colorado Springs is simply demand. Um, Industry is demanding this from us. Uh, our students are actually demanding this from us, often without having the right words to articulate what exactly they're demanding from us. And teachers are actually demanding this from us. Um, we look at a educational system, and I think a lot of people will say we have a broken education system, and I, I wholeheartedly disagree with that. It's actually doing exactly what it was designed to do. What we have is an education system that's a bit less relevant every year we go, and, and kids are really starting to pick up on that because through technology, the world's such a, a much smaller place than it used to be, and kids have more self-awareness about themselves beyond academic competencies now and industries finding that they need different types of workers um, with a whole different set of competencies than following directions and being compliant. So for me, again, it comes back down to demand. And so thinking specifically about the classroom, can you talk more about the kinds of issues that you're trying to solve there? One way in which we're trying to really support teachers is streamline all of the different efforts that are going on within their buildings and across their districts um, with this vision for next generation learning that they're trying to pursue. We're also really trying to learn about way, where they are at in terms of their needs, um, professional development, understanding of their students' needs so that the work, um, so that our grant work can be designed to really meet them where they're at, the same way we talk about meeting students where they are at. A large part of this work in Colorado is trying to embed um, design thinking and change management supports within schools so that school systems are really designed to support and empower teachers to kind of design and, and redesign learning environments based on, you know, the evolving needs of students who come into their classrooms every year. The way we approached it is where we went in and we 
identified, we kind of put this out there, put together cohorts of what we called lead educators at the time. And then we supported them strategically with technology, with professional development funds, with face-to-face -face coaching, with online coaching opportunities, even down to site visit opportunities to really build a grassroots mentality for this work. So getting people in that mindset has been critical for us. And once we got past that, now we have people just blowing our minds with ideas and trying short cycle innovations out there that are serving as examples for the rest of the district. One of the things we've had to be very deliberate about is thinking about what's on the teacher's plate because that's, that's what we hear often. We've got all these other things to do. Where would you like me to fit this in? Really having teachers list out, what is it you feel like you have to do? What's on that plate? And then coaching them around what can come off the plate and where some of this, these innovative models will help leverage more time for them as a teacher. So Colorado is one, as you know, of six regions across the country who are really thinking about how to catalyze next generation learning in their areas. We'd love to hear a little bit more from your perspective about what the model looks like in your region specifically um, in terms of how things work on a day-to-day -day basis and who your partners are. Colorado Springs District 11 is one of three leading districts who CEI has partnered with as part of our Next Generation Learning Challenges Breakthrough Schools Initiative. Um, those three districts were really identified both because of their uh, leadership and vision and progress around personalized learning, each within different contexts. All three of these districts are districts who we believe other schools and districts around the state would be able to see themselves in. The way that we work with these three districts is really trying to um, partner with them and learn with them how we can support them in systems transformation around personalized learning. So we work with them to understand what does it really look like to support a shift toward personalized learning at the school level. For example, engaging teachers, students, and families in Colorado's vision for next generation learning and you know, being explicit both about the 21st century outcomes we seek as well as the instructional and structural shifts that will be required in order to support those for all students. Our work is to figure out how can we really smartly learn from this design and implementation work and then be able to lift up some of those lessons learned and share them with other schools and districts around the state who um, you know, will be trying to do similar work in the coming years. Through building up the capacity of our leadership in our districts and start having these conversations, I think what we're finding is there's a certain set of perceived barriers versus real barriers. And a lot of the barriers that are out there are actually just perceived barriers or interpretations of policies or tied to old policies that need to be revisited. And I also think it's compelling when you look at our schools that we have representatives from all levels and they're all coming from traditional public school models. So we don't have startups going on. We don't have charters that we're doing this work with yet. I think those would be great projects to take on, but that's not what most schools in our state are gonna identify with. They're gonna identify with, we're an existing public school. How do we get this going? Great, thank you very much. So you mentioned that the work in Colorado began in August of 2013. Could you please walk us through what has happened so far and specifically what the first phase of work has been? 
The strategic plan that we built across, I think it was three or four months, resulted in our commitment to this like three-pronged approach to scaling personalized learning within each of the districts, supporting deep school design and implementation, supporting more schools and educators to engage and be ready to do work like this in the future, and really taking a critical look at our district system conditions and thinking about you know, what are the current systems conditions that enable or constrain the success of, you know, the success and scaling of school models. We began in May 2014 with a six-month school design process where two schools from each of the three districts were participating. The idea with our design process was not to drive them toward one specific model, but to really start with that overarching vision of outcomes for next generation of learners, and then to really empower and support each of them in designing learning environments and school implementation plans that aligned with their unique school visions. So where we're at right now is really thinking about how do we best support each of the schools in implementing the plans that they develop over the next three years, as well as uh, supporting each of the districts and creating or, you know, redesigning some of the, those district, district conditions that, that we've learned about together through this process. And so, Scott, if you could talk a little bit about, in District 11, the kinds of changes that you've seen so far and what this is looking like as things move forward in the classrooms in District 11. Sure, yeah, and I'll say changes were and continue to be immediate. We have teachers out there being very strategic now about shifting what their role is. Our educators are thinking differently about how they design lessons to put them in, in the learner's hands. They're thinking more about standards and competencies that address the whole child rather than specific curriculum where they feel like they might have to go page by page through something, assign a worksheet, have kids take notes a certain way. We've seen kids who are more excited about their learning. We're seeing a, the passion come back. People are rediscovering why they went into this industry in the first place, which is really exciting. This opportunity has helped that grassroots level explode even more, and it's created a bit of a tipping point in our district. That's really exciting. Thank you so much. So, Samantha, as you think about the next phase, could you talk about what will happen next in Colorado and what the ultimate end goal is? So I say that, you know, what's coming next in our partnership is going deeper on the school level work that we've started to articulate, as well as being real intentional about how do we understand and kind of proactively promote and support these district level conditions so that in a few years we're seeing more of the demand that got articulated across each of these districts. I think that we hope that in Colorado we're able to demonstrate that there are multiple models and approaches and entry points for doing this work. You know, we're real interested to be able to continue to learn from our three partner organizations, partner districts, in a way where we can capture some of those learnings and be able to share them with other districts around the state in ways that will support them in their progress toward, you know, responsive next generation systems. And reflecting back on your experiences, what do you know now that you wish you had known prior to launching your new initiative? I wish I had known in a more targeted way what capacity building 
some of our groups have needed and where do we need to really focus our personal learning and professional learning in ways that will directly impact this work and same thing all the way down to the classrooms, principals obviously. So really focusing on how do we build that capacity in a really targeted way and how do we build that up so that people can then effectively come up with workable visions and strategic plans around that. If I could just somehow, you know, assess that need more effectively, I think that would be huge. As we talk about this notion of shifting stakeholder engagement, Scott has said before that we do a lot of sharing um, and kind of giving information to students and families and communities, and we think that this type of work that we're doing will require a shift in how we engage stakeholders so that they're a part of the design process early on and that they're right there with school teams. I would completely agree with that. I think one of the pitfalls we often fall into, and this could be in industry or education, but is who we're actually talking to and who we're getting that engagement from. And what we really need to do is walk across the street and gather some of those voices from kids that are disengaged with this and they're just showing up because they have to. We need more of a balance of who's who's providing that feedback and, and who we're engaging in that. That's great. And so just one last question. There are many other regions across the country thinking about this question of how to begin the journey that you've been on now for about a year and a half. What advice would you offer to incubators who were just getting started in their work? I think that advice that we would offer, and we'll, we'll continue to see how it plays out for us, but we've talked a lot about beginning with vision and being real clear around those student outcomes we seek. I think that for us, we've learned that you know, when schools run into a challenge or as a coalition, when we run into a challenge, when we can go back to that vision, whatever challenge might come up, I would recommend to other incubators not to, you know, underestimate the importance of some of that type of work early on, which is obviously important to thinking about any type of, of change, you know, any type of uh, systems change or disruptive innovation, regardless of the topic. You know, when we talk with people who are five years ahead of us, they say they're still changing every day. They haven't quite figured it out yet. And I think that that's a real important message for us to hear and also to share with others. In education, the currency we use to pay for things is time. So understanding that this isn't an overnight thing. This is, this is gonna take some time. And we have to give people the time to go through design processes and prototyping and, and experience some of those for lack of a better term, failure, learning opportunities that they'll need to adjust to make it work and, and to build some of these systems through policy work and through communication with community stakeholders. But then the, the other thing I would remind people to do, and I say this to educators a lot, is get off the bench. Get in the game, try something. Um, don't sit around and wait. There's nothing more powerful than a classroom teacher leading this because you can see the direct effect on students almost immediately. And um, we found it to be nothing but positive. Thank you both so much for speaking with us. We can't wait to see how this work plays out in Colorado.